Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Have you ever had a moment like this? A moment where something was so amazing that you were filled with awe and gave praise to God and you said, I've seen something remarkable today. It doesn't have to be spiritual. Maybe it was the first time you saw your bride walking down the aisle to to you. Or you, being the bride yourself, saw your husband standing at the other end and you're praising God saying, this is remarkable. Maybe it's the first time you held your new son or daughter in your hands, your, your grandchild for the first time and you gave praise to God saying, this is remarkable. Or maybe it was something spiritual. Maybe it was the first time that the God of the Bible stopped becoming just a story for you and he became your redeemer, your forgiver, your healer, your God. It's one of those whoa moments, those awe-inspired moments, those moments where you know everything changes from here on out because my soul's different because I've met my creator. We call this in Christian tradition, especially with our Christian calendar right now, an epiphany, a revealing, seeing Jesus clearly for the first time. So that is my prayer for this morning. Something I've been praying for the past couple of weeks as I've been preparing for and thinking through this sermon is that we can all leave here today with an epiphany praising God for who he is. And maybe it's, it's, it's not by anything I can do or anything I can say, but only by the spirit awakening your heart and your soul and speaking to you personally. My prayer is that we all leave for today praising God, maybe for the first time, or maybe remembering if we've been walking with him for a long time. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord, we love you. God, we're thankful that we are called your children. God, we're thankful that we get to walk with you and be, um, get to see you clearly. God, I thank you that you're our healer, our redeemer, our forgiver, that you love us enough to go to the cross in our place. So you know, I pray, amen. Hey, there's a lot of familiar faces. Um, there's a lot of y'all in here who have loved me closer to Jesus. Um, I mean, I have parents, grandparents, in-laws, financial advisor, counselors, mentors, close friends, cell group leaders. Um, and there's a lot of y'all here who I haven't met before. Um, My name is Kyle Plunkett. I work with with student ministries over in the Student Center East, um, Rogers FSM. And if you're in here and you have a 7th through 12th grade student or somebody who leads cell group, Abby Lay and I get to mentor them and coach them and walk with them through life. And so I am very um, honored and humbled um, and blessed and encouraged to be standing in front of you. I I love Fellowship Bible Church. I love this place. In fact, kind of every major life thing that's happened to me has happened centered around fellowship. I grew up in this church. Um, I met God for the first time in this church. I was mentored and discipled in this church. I met my wife and married into the best city and the best family at this church. Right now, I'm employed by this church. And so I love fellowship. And it it truly is an honor. And it it truly is humbling to get to stand before you um, and talk about my king, who I love so much. Um, so thank you. Seriously, thank you. We are in Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26, if you want to grab your Bibles. And um, I, like, I like things being neat and orderly, and I like having kind of a set direction that I'm going. And so if you'll, if you'll kind of humor me, if you'll bear with me, I'm, I'm going to give you four miracles in Luke chapter 5. Now I say bear with me because three of them are explicit, divine, like only Jesus can do those type miracles. The other one, the first one, Put a question mark by it if you're taking notes. I'll let you decide. Is it a miracle? Is it not? 
Is it divinely inspired? Is it, is it set apart? I'm going to argue that it is. I think it's a miracle to have friends the way that we see this man in the story have his friends, but um, that's the direction we're headed, heading, the, the four miracles of Luke chapter 5 in verses 17 through 26. So let's read it together. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So if we put ourselves in the story or in the time for just a little bit, you have Jesus and he's getting kind of popular and he's been performing some miracles and doing some healings and people are starting to recognize his name and then enter into the first time in the gospel of Luke, the Pharisees and the teacher of the law. So you, 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 know, you have the religious authority of the day and they're all packed into this house waiting to see what Jesus is going to do. What's he going to teach? What's he going to say? Can we trust this guy? Is he on our side? Where are we at? And then put yourself in the place of the paralytic, the man who's been laying on a mat, unable to move, unable to provide for himself, only surviving by the, the goodness of his friends and his family, the people around him. And you, you heard that there's this healer. You heard there's this guy named Jesus. You heard that there's somebody with the power of the Lord on him to heal. And you're wondering, how can I get there? And your friends come along. And they pick you up and they say, let's go. And they bring you to the house and the house is so packed that you can't get in the door. Not only that is the, the people are blocking the door and they're not letting you in. So instead of giving up or instead of doing what I feel like a lot of us, I'm in the same boat, do a lot of times with the people around us who are hurting, kind of a, oh, I'll pray for you. Better luck next time. They get really scrappy. They decide we're getting this guy in front of Jesus. We're getting him an audience with the king. So what do they do? They couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, so they went up to the roof and lowered, his mat, lowered him in on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So instead of giving up, instead of saying, oh, we can find him at the next town or at the next house, they decide, let's go on the roof and let's piece by piece, tile by tile, make an opening in the roof and put you down at the feet. Which leads us to miracle number one, friends. It'd be, friend, it'd be a miracle to have friends this willing to get you in front of Jesus. It's, it's a miracle to have people that committed to seeing you healed, to seeing you forgiven. Do you have friends like that? Or maybe more convicting and really convicting for me is, am I that friend? Am I committed enough to seeing the people who I care about, who I know are hurting, healed by the king that I'm willing to literally tear apart a roof? Right, imagine that you're Jesus and you're sitting there and you're teaching and all of a sudden the, whole, the wall opens up, I mean, the roof opens up, there's a hole in it and piece by piece, dirt by dirt, I mean, it's all falling in and you're just waiting, you're patient and all of a sudden this guy drops through and he's at your feet. What would you do? It's really crazy. It's a wild part of the story and I love it. Do you have those friends? These are my four. These are my four who would literally unroof a roof for me to get me to the feet of Jesus. Now, I don't show you this picture to say like, oh, I'm the youth pastor guy and I have these friends. No, these are the guys who, as we were graduating college and entering into adult life, everything about faith, family, finances, leadership, child rearing, all of that terrified us. We said we need a group of men to surround ourselves with just to keep each other accountable, love one another, pray for one another, bring each other closer to Jesus. We have to have those people who are willing to be there for us no matter what happens. 
These are my four. These are the guys who I know if I have to go to the emergency room at three in the morning, they're going to be there. They all texted me or called me this morning saying, we're praying for you. We love you. We're encouraged by you. I mean, these, these are my four. And I, I, I show you this to, to one, honor them, but also ask, do you have people in your life that committed to getting you before Jesus? Then maybe just as importantly, are you that committed to, to bringing in the people around you who you know are hurting, you know they need healing? Are you that committed to getting them close to Jesus? That's why I think having friends like that is truly a miracle. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This one's pretty obvious. Miracle number two of Luke chapter five is forgiveness. So as they're laying at the feet of Jesus and as he looks up into the, the hole of the roof, he looks at the friends and then he looks at the man sitting right before him. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're like me, the first time you read this, you think, one, that's a really bold claim. Two, can he do that? And three, you're like, no, 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 we want him to walk. Like forgiveness is great, but we want him to walk. We're tired of carrying him around on this mat to get everywhere. Like he just wants to walk. What, what do we do with this? Well, I mean, forgiveness is good, Jesus, but you're a healer. Heal him. And they, they were blinded by their need for a physical healing instead of realizing there's an ultimate need of spiritual healing that comes way before the physical and then, as I imagine, some of us in this room may be thinking, and I know the Pharisees of the day were thinking, can he do that? Can he say that? Does he have the power to forgive sins? And they ask a really good question. Honestly, a question I would ask if I was in their, in their place. The Pharisees and the teacher of the law began to think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? So miracle number three is pretty simple. Jesus knows your heart. And I really, I really like this part of the story um, because there's a, lot of, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of religious authority kind of back and forth. Can Jesus do what he wants? Um, what about the church? All this stuff. But really when it, when it boils down to it, the, the miracle in this part of the passage is Jesus knows your heart which means there's no amount of religious posturing that can make you closer to him. There's no amount of good deeds. There's no amount of, I don't know, kind of fake love and life with the Lord that's going to get you close to him. He knows your heart. And it's really convicting and it's really encouraging because there's parts of my heart that need a lot of healing and a lot of fixing. I just have to come to him in humility and ask. There's also parts of my heart that a lot of times act like the Pharisees, try and push him away. Say, who are you to tell me that? Who are you to look at the really dark, deep, disgusting insides and tell me that that needs to be fixed too? We do this. It's an important part of our theology as a church, as believers, but Jesus knows your heart. And Jesus says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven? So this is a response to the Pharisees. Or to say, get up and walk. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. So he asked this question, which is easier to say? And it's interesting because I would think um, eternal forgiveness is a little bit more difficult than healing if you're Jesus. But also the, the question is kind of flipped. He says, which is easier for me to say? Which he could say, your, your sins are forgiven and never validate it. And what good does that do? Nobody knows if he has the authority to heal or forgive sins. Like I could tell you, your, your sins are forgiven. Do y'all believe me? 
well, I can't forgive sins, but you're also like, I don't know. We don't know if you can do that or not. So yeah, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because he doesn't have to back it up. And Jesus, even though he's not in the business of proving himself to the people who don't like him, he still backs it up. And he does it so we can see him clearly and we can know that he is the one who has the authority to forgive sin. So he says, pick up your mat and go. And he heals him. And he's changed. This man's life and his eternity is forever changed. So as I look at this passage, as I'm reading through Luke chapter 5, 24, or 17 through 26, I'm thinking, which of these miracles is the most important? Maybe which of these miracles um, shows the love of God the most? Which is the one I'm supposed to apply and follow? What does that look like? And you know, you think, yes, having friends that are willing to do anything to get you in front of Jesus is really, really valuable. Or being the friend who's willing to do that is really important. The fact that Jesus can forgive sins is really important. The fact that he knows our hearts every single day, day in and day out, is really important. The fact that Jesus can physically heal what ails you, if he chooses to or not, is really, really important. But I don't know, I don't know what the main point is. Why does this make it in the scripture? Why does the Holy Spirit allow this to be written? Why is this story told? And I found, as I often do when I'm reading Jesus' words, he says what he means and he means what he says. And a lot of times he says exactly what his purpose is really plainly and really explicitly. He says things like, come to me if you're burdened and you need rest and I'll, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says things like, you can't serve God in money. He says things like, I'm the vine, you're the branch, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. He says things like, I came to give you life and life to the full. And we spend a lot of time going, what does that mean? How do I apply that? What does it look like? This is what Jesus says. This is the the starting point, the stake in the ground, the line in the sand. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says, the friends are good, the heart is good, the healing is good, the forgiveness is obviously the most important. He says, I want you to know the reason I do all of this, the reason I'm here on earth in the first place is I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sin. This is the truth that changes everything for us if we know Jesus. This is the truth that, that makes the friends really important and the healing important and all of the miracles really important, but this is the thing that changes everything. This is why Jesus came. This is why he was here. This is why he did the miracles. This is why he did the healing. This is why he made the disciples. This is why he ushered in other believers. This is why he healed people, cast out demons, all of it. Because he wants you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Let me say it this way. Jesus has the authority to provide ultimate healing. This means he's not just offering a band-aid to repair the broken parts of everyday life. He's offering total restoration. This means that Jesus isn't offering only healing from physical ailments, but he's offering total, eternal restoration from the sickness of our soul. It's this truth that I get to stake everything on as a believer in Jesus Christ. He is the authority to provide ultimate healing ultimate forgiveness, eternal healing, the type of healing that changes everything. This is that woe moment, that epiphany, that time where maybe for the first time you realize that Jesus is more than just a healer, just a miracle doer. 
He's the one who can forgive your sin. Because believe me, if we had to experience the full weight of the wrath of God, if we had to experience, I mean, even a fraction of the weight of the wrath of, the wrath of God and be separated from him for all of eternity, this life wouldn't be worth it. Wouldn't be worth it at all. Jesus comes to provide ultimate, soul-deep healing. So I ask you, what would it look like to live in that reality? What would it look like to live every day as if this were actually true? Maybe it looks a lot um, more like actually going to the, to the Jesus who knows our heart instead of going to the workaholism, the Netflix, the overeating, the overdrinking, too many hobbies, trying to buy our way out of pain. Maybe it looks like waking up each and every day actually encouraged that whatever we're dealing with does not have the final word. Because when this becomes true for the believer, when this becomes the truth that I'm, I'm still trying every single day to believe 100% holy deep down in my heart, when this becomes true, cancer doesn't have the final word. When this becomes true, financial struggle doesn't, beca- doesn't have the final word. Collapses in marriage doesn't have the final word. A wayward child doesn't have the final word. The the pain that we feel in our human existence from the very bottom of our soul, it doesn't have the final word. When Jesus speaks, friend, your sins are forgiven. That's the final word. That's the reality I get to hold on to every morning when I wake up, even if I don't want to live in hope. That's the hope. That there's nothing in this world that can separate me from the love of Christ. There's nothing in this world that can push me so far away from him or so um, deeply past him that I miss his love. The worst thing that can happen to me is I die. And then guess what? It gets better. I love this. Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Yes, he, he, he healed the man so he could physically walk, but he also releases us so we can spiritually walk, so our, our soul can soar, so we can live in a different reality, reality that we never could even dream of living if we stay stuck in our sin and in our shame. Which is why I love this, this ending verse, this ending reality. He says, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. You get that? He took what he had been lying on, went home praising God. Put yourself there for just a moment. We're all the paralytic. Every single one of us, lying in the dirt, absolutely hopeless. Nothing we can do to walk, crawl, claw our way closer to Jesus. Absolutely, utterly hopeless. But then Jesus speaks. He speaks over you and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And it's that truth, that reality, that understanding that I'm the paralytic. I deserve nothing. I don't even deserve the friends to lower me through the roof. All I deserve is eternal separation. All I deserve is to be left alone to my own vices. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve to walk. I don't deserve any amount of love or care from Jesus. But here's the good news of the gospel the New Testament teaches us. 
He didn't leave us alone. No, Jesus came and he laid down beside us on that mat. His mat looked a lot more like a cross. Jesus came and he said, I'm not gonna leave my suffering people alone. I want them to know me. I want to heal them. I want to not only heal their physical ailments, I want to heal every single part of who they are because the the hope that we get to have in Jesus means that we may not find physical healing on this earth. You you may not get the cure that you're hoping for. You may not get the doctor saying the words you want him to say, but we ultimately will be fully spiritually healed forevermore. We get a new body, one that gets to walk and run and sit and play and worship Jesus for the rest of eternity. That's the hope of the Bible. That's the good news of the gospel. Immediately, he took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. I love this too, because I mean, he picks up the mat and I imagine he doesn't make it very far before he casts it off. I don't know if he took it home. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if he had a home. But what are those things that maybe we're picking up and carrying with us that need to be shed? Maybe what are the things you need healing from? Maybe you need physical healing. There, there is a disease, there is something going on inside of you that actually needs to be healed. Surround yourself with community willing to pull you close to the feet of Jesus. And go to the one who knows your heart. Go to the one who wants to heal. And even if he doesn't provide or offer ultimate healing on this earth, know that we have a hope so much greater. Or maybe like the paralytic, you need forgiveness. If that's what you need, then go to the one who paid the price to be able to have the authority to forgive that sin. Go to the one who loves you enough to put on our own sin, our own things that paralyze us, our own problems, and go to the cross for us. Go to the one who can provide ultimate, eternal, full healing. And that's our message. That's the hope of the gospel. There's no perfect application. There's no go home and do these four things. I just want us to leave with a hope that Jesus is better. He's better than whatever you're walking through. He's better than whatever you're struggling with. He's better than the pain of sickness and sin and broken relationship. He's better than it all. Put yourself in the paralytic shoes. Humble yourself before the king. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for healing. Because he alone has the power to say, friend, your sins are forgiven. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm thankful that that reality is true. God, I'm so thankful that you alone have the authority to forgive my sin. You have the authority to forgive our sin. God, that our ultimate need is not for physical healing, but for spiritual healing. Our ultimate need isn't for healing from you, but it's for holiness before you. God, give us that holiness. Let us know you and be cleansed by you. And as a church, let us stand and praise you and worship you. For we are in awe of a Savior who would willingly take our place. We love you. Thank you for healing. Stand my pray. Amen.